0: Father God, we we come before you, Lord, we just thank you, God, for for everything that you've done this morning, God, just the grace and the kindness that you've shown to us. And right now, Lord, I just pray that that you would give every one of us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. God, I pray for those that are in-house and for those who are watching online, that every person would get a fresh touch from you today as I speak. And God, I, I just ask, Lord, that where I fall short, that your grace would just fill in all the gaps, that every person would get that touch from you that they need. And God, I pray that my words would be healing, that the words that I speak would be your spirit and they would be life. We yield to you now in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so uh, today I want to talk to you about this idea called when the lights go out, and uh, Quite honestly, I hate having to live my own sermons. I just wish, you know, I could just talk about things I don't have to live. Um, But I think that, uh, I think we all, or at least many of us, can relate with what I have experienced many times over, and that is this idea that when, you know, God shows up, it's really good. And when you, you go and you have those encounters with God, you can have an, and some of you are like, "You can have an encounter with God. Yes, you can have an encounter with God, where, where when God comes and meets with you in a special way, it, cr- it creates such faith, such clarity. I mean, some of you would say that maybe you've had encounters where you hear you heard God, you heard Him, in your spirit, and there are other times where you experienced a peace and a confidence, and you, you couldn't even put your finger on why you felt such peace, and you felt such confidence, but no matter what it looked like, whether you felt God, whether you heard God, or whether your, your eyes were opened, and there was just a great sense of faith, when we are on what a lot of us call the mountaintop experience, I mean, I love the mountaintop. I mean, we, we are Montana people. We understand what it's like to be high, and not in that way, but high, high atmospherically. We know what it's like to have that, that high point where everything in life just makes sense. You know you are in God's will. You know God loves you. You, you have joy. You have peace. You have happiness. It's like that is like literally... Everything that we want. We want what we call the abundant life. We want life, and we want it abundantly. We want to be connected to God. And out of that place of connection, we can see, and we can hear, and we can move around, and we know what we're supposed to be doing. And I love those times where God shows up. And then there are times, shortly thereafter often is the case, where the lights go out. And we're not on the mountaintop. And we're in the valley. And God feels like he's far away. And God doesn't seem like he cares. And you know, you had encounters and experiences with God in the past. But I've had times where I've literally questioned, in those dark seasons, is God even real? Were those encounters just an emotional experience, where those promises, because a lot of times God will give us promises in the light, and he will give us a promise about our future, and so you get a promise about your future, and you start getting all happy, get all excited, because you have a hope, and you have a future, and you're like, yes, God's going to bring me here, God's going to do that in my life, God's going to answer that prayer, whatever it is, and so you have a promise that you can hold on to. You're all jazzed. And after like a week goes by, you start to feel, was that really God or was that just me and what I, really, what I want? Was that, was that Daniel just wanting something to go his way? Was that even God's voice or is God even? And, and you get into those places where you're like, okay, God, I need to feel you. You feel nothing. God, I need to hear you. You hear nothing. And you get it. To the scriptures, because that's what, you know, all the, your spiritual leaders are telling you to do. And you get into the scriptures, and it's like reading the phone book. Some of you are like, what's a phone book? It's <laughs> They're in museums now. <laughs> they to be on a display, and the kids are going to be like, what is that? Or maybe a dictionary, and you guys still don't know what that is either, because we have Google for everything. But we have these mountaintops, and then we have these valleys. And in the valley, we're like, is God mad at me? Did I do something wrong? Or if God really cared, why doesn't he help me? Why doesn't he answer me? Why why is God leaving me all alone? I feel so alone and feel so broken. And we, and we can go and just, you know, when I get into those places, I can be like a puddle on the ground, like, oh, I suck, and what a loser, and I just, I, I can feel, I can, like, get, I start partnering with, with in all honesty, the spiritual warfare that's coming against me, because in the dark, the, the kingdom of darkness loves to pounce on God's people. He loves to mess with our minds and to throw out lies like, nobody loves you, and nobody cares about you, and life will be better if I, and you just start getting to these places where you're tempted to make a lot of poor choices. And then, if you've been around long enough, you know what it's like to come out of the valley. And you come back onto the mountaintop. And then life is good, and God shows up again, and now you have direction, and now you have peace, and now you have joy, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, now I'm good, and you look back on the past, and you're like, oh, that, that whole valley thing was just, that was just a, sh- a short-term thing. It wasn't a permanent thing. But I hate to break it to you, most of you know this, if you've been around long enough, you know this is what it's like. <laughs> I, want, I want to stay up on the mountaintop, but I want, to, I want to take some time today to just share some basic ideas out of the scripture that I believe are for now. And I, I actually believe that, I mean, I, I know this, you maybe have even heard this word before or something to this effect. But I believe there has been a spirit unleashed that is assaulting people's faith. And this, like literally an entity, a spirit that has been released. Uh, I don't know how, how far it goes, if it's like worldwide or if it's just more on a local scale. But I sense a spirit that is assaulting God's people in their faith. And I believe it is because a lot of you are on the edge of your breakthrough and that you are really, and we are really, really close. And this spirit wants to create in us a doubt, a fear, and an unbelief. And so I, I am speaking something that maybe you know, but I believe that what I'm speaking is something that pertains to what is happening in the spirit realm right now. And so I want to I wanna look at Isaiah chapter 50. And we'll look in verse ten. Isaiah chapter fifty, verse ten. So here we go. Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? The servant is Jesus. Who walks in darkness and has no light, let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Look, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with sparks, walk in the light of your life, sorry, the light of your fire, and in the sparks you have kindled. This you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. So I want to look for a moment here at verse 11. Look all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with sparks. What he's talking about in verse 11 is about the times that we are in the dark and what to do. And the temptation, and it talks about this in verse 11, is to try to create our own fire. And by create your own fire, I don't mean like in a, in a sense a godly way. One of our first reactions to the place of darkness is to run away from the pain. That is our natural tendency, and in all honesty, that's normal when you feel depression when you feel anxiety when you feel abandoned when you feel alone when you feel lost and you get to those places where you don't know what is real and you don't know what is truth and you feel out of sorts no matter and you and you should know this by now because you've been saved for years you've been a christian for years but now there are circumstances. You know, Pastor Tim, last week, he, he preached a great message about don't stress the test. And he, he went through a lot of elements of how to navigate through that. But the truth is, is you know, because after the sermon, I was just like, oh, man, I hope this isn't, like, prophetic. I hope this isn't something I'm going to have to, like, go through this week. You know what I mean? And throughout the week, I kind of felt like God was like, you're already in one. You're being tested right now. I'm like, I am? And I think that a lot of times we don't know we're being tested. Let that sink down for a moment. When you know you're in a test, you handle it differently. But most of the time, we are being tested. You know, really, temptation. Temptation is a test. Some things are of God, and some things are flat-out demonic. But whatever you want to call it and get into the original language, we are being tested all the time by our circumstances and by a lot of things that we cannot control. Think about that for a moment. How many things that are happening that are painful, that are frustrating you, that are wearing on you, and yet you have absolutely no ability to make it stop, to make it quit. And so what do we do in those moments? Because what we do while we are being tested matters. Because it is not the test itself that can ruin your life. It's the way we respond to the test that can ruin our life. It is not how bad the storm is out there. It's how bad, how we, elect, uh, how, how we allow the storm to get inside of us. And a lot of times, when the storm gets inside of us, we start to find out what is inside of us, and it is panic. It is anxiety. It is not faith. It is unbelief. And in those moments, we, we try to, you know, faith it and pretend like we're okay? You ever you ever been like that, where you feel like, I know, I, I God has saved me like 4,000 times, but now I'm nervous. You shouldn't know better by now. And you feel bad about it? Or you find yourself feeling emotions that you shouldn't feel? Does that make sense? I, I've had so many conversations with so many Christians, and they're like, I know this is, how i should feel this is how i should be acting this is how i should be thinking but i'm feeling this way and the way i feel right now is making a lot more is a lot more believable than what i know in my head and that is absolutely the truth medically speaking scientifically speaking the truth is is as they've studied our brains they discovered over and over that if our brain feels that something is true feels something is true, then we will live out of that reality. That is the way the human brain works. And so we've got a good God who is not here to torment you. And let me just let you in on a secret that we all forget in in the darkness. God already knew what was inside of you. He already knew. He is not disappointed in you that you are failing the test. He is not disappointed in you that you are freaking out. He, he you know, it, it's amazing just the junk that comes out of me when I am in a rough place. And sometimes I just have to shut up. And I've learned how to shut up better with my mouth than I used to, but I have to shut up and not believe every thought that passes through my mind. Less, you know, like, not every thought is yours. Do not own every thought. Do not believe every thought. And I guarantee you, when that thought starts tearing you down, when you start thinking thoughts that your mom would not allow you to think or say to yourself, you know that is not of God, and you can pretty much guarantee it's not of you. Let that marinate a little bit. When you speak words in your head about you, that your mom would not approve of, you can guarantee you are under demonic assault. That I am, I am telling you the truth, and I know in that moment you feel like, you know, one, one way to describe spiritual warfare when you are not winning or you're having a rough go, it's called oppression. And the best way to describe oppression is when you feel like a sat, a fat, a fat man's just sitting on top of you. That's what oppression feels like. Because when you feel like weighed down in a depressed state, a discouraged state, a disillusioned state, you don't really have the oomph to get up and fight. You don't really feel like getting off the couch. You don't feel like reading the Bible. You don't feel like praying. You don't feel like worshiping. You don't feel like pressing at all. You just feel like, and that's what the enemy loves. That is part of his strategy because he knows that you have the authority and he has none. So he has to lie to us, get us to agree with a spirit in our, in, our, in, our, in our spiritual sense. And when we partner with that spirit and we give it some ground, it just gets on us. And in that point, we have to exercise our will. It is flat out, full on Warfare, and I am not saying that I've done this right every time. In fact, many times it takes me a while. I will, like, you know, have to press in and push through in those moments to do the spiritual warfare, and it's all about exercising the will. If you can learn how to get up, spiritually speaking, when you feel spiritually suffocated, then you will find yourself winning every time. The only way you can lose is if you give up and you give in. And so, looking back at this verse, he says, look all you who kindle a fire. And I think that's the thing, is we, when we are in a place of darkness, we start believing lies about ourselves and about God and about our circumstances and how we, can, how we can go here and how we can do that. And we start figuring out means. We get really creative. We get really creative to run from pain. And so what we do is we call, we run to other gods. We run to other entities to be our Jesus, to be our savior. And I am all for Running to other Christians when you are down and out, let, you know, let them counsel, give you good counsel. Let them tell you the truth that you need to hear. Let them, you know, maybe give you some nuggets that will help you in the battle. Let them pray for you. I'm all for that. But sometimes we can even, I want to be careful of this because I, I, I'd rather you go to people than not. But sometimes we can turn other people into our Jesus. And all the while, we are living a Christian lifestyle where we do not know how to connect to God. And we do not know how to engage in spiritual warfare because we are so used to letting other people do the warring for us. But I want to encourage you, don't war alone. I'm not saying to be by yourself. I'm just saying, don't just let other people fight your battles. You have to learn how to war. And the thing is, is when stuff gets tough, What or who do you run to? What is your coping mechanism? Because your coping mechanism will reveal your God. So if your coping mechanism is a TV show or a website or a drug or a drink, legal or illegal, that if When you run to that God, you are entering into alignment with that thing and giving it power over you. And then that false God will make you its slave. It will make you. We, we talk about addiction. Addiction is when you find what you need to get from God in something or someone else. And there are a lot of Christians that are running around full-on addicted to legal things. Full-on. Don't judge me. I'm not judging you. But I want to help you. You see, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And he's talking like, hey, listen. And it, it could be the dumbest thing. It could be the dumbest hobby that is not even a sin. But if it becomes your coping mechanism instead of Jesus, then you are in bondage. And I am not here to judge people because that's just stupid. We all have our issues. But the reality is is when the lights go out, where do you run? Do you try to kindle your own fire? Or do you wait on the Lord? Because you can listen to Christian radio. You can watch some really good stuff on YouTube that is biblically based, some good teaching. You can gather with the saints on Sunday morning, and I'm all for that. But listen, nothing will ever take the place of you and Jesus and you connecting with him. Nothing will ever take that place. And, and, I, and I know we can amen it, and I know you know it to be true, but when we are in the dark, do we actually run to Jesus Christ, I uh, I think that usually running from pain is what causes us the most pain. I don't think there, the, all our destruction and all of our damage we do to ourselves has a lot to do with just running from pain. We have got to get to the place where we can press through in the dark. I want to look at this here for a moment. In verse 10, it says, Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Hopefully nobody in this room is having that experience. Hopefully this is for the second service, and you guys are just my practice. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. You know, I find it so fascinating, and I'm, I just, i you know, when you get into certain scriptures, you start pondering them. And I've been pondering a connection between the fear of the Lord and wisdom. It's, it's, it's a really weird, there's a weird connection between fearing God and wisdom. And there is a connection between fearing God and obeying him. And so I believe that the fear of the Lord is an essential ingredient for all of us right now. Like, I think you always need it. But the scriptures say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then another point is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so you're kind of like, well, what is the fear of the Lord? And a lot of people would say, you know, the fear of the Lord is when you have a lot of reverence for God. And I agree with that completely. When you have the fear of the Lord, you will revere him. But I, I believe it's something more than that. I don't, but I don't, I'm still trying to find a language that will perfectly say what the fear of the Lord is. But I do want to clarify. Because I think a lot of us are afraid of God. A lot of us are afraid, especially when we're in sin. And we feel dirty and unclean. We feel like we don't, we got to clean ourselves up. It's going to take at least three days to restart this relationship. And I've been there. I have been in that place. I know what it's like to feel dirty and ashamed and to think I will do better. And when I do better, then I'll be good enough to talk to God again. And then, you know, you do the cycle over and over. But what I want you to see here is that a true fear of God doesn't mean you're really afraid of God. Like God is not scary but rather he i believe today i believe one of the key ideas the lord wants me to communicate is that he is always willing for you to come into his presence like after your biggest mess in the middle of your biggest mess the door is open and the only reason it's open is because jesus took care of it at the cross which we already talked about in communion today that jesus Made a way so we can go before the throne room of grace to find the help that we need. And so if you are in need, then you qualify. And so you come invited. When you go to prayer, you've been invited. Listen, this is not just some spiritual discipline I have to do. You know, sometimes we turn it into a chore, and it's not even, a, we don't even view it as a delight. God's like, I'm so on, flattered that you came, you know, like, you're, I guess I'll come, you know, and get it over with. God, God moved heaven and earth, gave his son, because he likes you. I mean, literally, I mean, that's hard for you to believe, and I will have time to go into the scriptures on it. God likes you. I mean, I know a lot of you know he loves you, but you think it's because he has to. Right? I've been there. God loves me, but he has no choice. God is love. No, God likes you. It's the Greek word phileo. The scriptures talk about God phileoing you. He likes you in an affectionate, enjoyable kind of way. God has sent Jesus so he could have you. And then he says, all right, I'm going to have you for all of eternity. Let's start a relationship. Come into my presence. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good. And God's like, I know, that's why, that's why you need to come. You really need to come to my presence right now. And so we come, and he says, who fears the Lord? And I believe that the fear of the Lord, like I said, has a lot to do with obedience. If you are fearing God, you will obey him. If you're not obeying him, then maybe you need to shift and look at your fear of the Lord. And the thing about the fear of the Lord, I believe that a lot of it has to do with encounter. I really do. I fear God because I have encountered Him. Some of you have encountered God. Some of you are going to. And so for some of you, you're looking back to your memories, and for others of you, you're looking to your future. You have been invited into a deeper relationship than you've ever experienced before. God wants more than religious duty. He, and I, a lot of people, I even get frustrated the way people throw around "relationship." Listen, if you're talking to God on the drive to work, good for you. But let me tell you this, there's more. There's more. Like, God's like, I want an encounter. I want you to experience me in a way where another realm, another dimension, you know, they talk about the fourth dimension and different dimensions, and I've even heard about 12 dimensions they talk about. There are, there's a spirit world that it literally is in another dimension. And that world that God lives in can enter into our dimension, into our reality. I'm not just talking spiritually, I'm talking scientifically. The the science more and more is showing us there is another reality. There's greater reality than just the three dimensions we thought we had. There are multiple dimensions, and when God comes in, like, so to speak, now I'm going to use a weird terminology, a portal, and he manifests his presence and you connect with God, and he's in the room, every part of you comes alive. You hear his voice. You sense his presence. You have connection. And everything in your life in that moment makes sense when the light shines. When the light shines. And some of you know what I'm talking about. And some of you need to go deeper. Because God has more than what you've known. And when you have those experience of the light, it creates a fear of God on the inside of you. And your heart trembles at his word, not because you're afraid, but just because there's just something in you that stirs in your soul because you've met the living God. You've met, this is not, you know, people come and they're like, well, you know, I don't know if I believe in God. I'm like, I have encountered God. I can't deny him. I have met him. I have encountered him. And my soul trembles at his His word. And and when when his voice speaks, I mean, my spirit comes alive like I've never known. And that's what it was like when Jesus came onto the earth. Because all these people lived all their lives not hearing the voice. But then Jesus comes and he speaks to an audience. And people are forgetting to eat their food and they're forgetting to go home because when Jesus speaks, something that was dead comes alive. And Jesus goes and says weird things and he says things that are flat out disturbing to the people. He says, unless you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And a bunch of people are like, we were with you until you said that. And then Not just the crowd, disciples. Disciples abandon him because they were coming alive, but their head got in the way. And then Jesus turns to Peter and his core disciples. Why are you guys leaving too? And Peter's like, we don't know what to do with this, but we're in. We're with you. You alone have the words of life. Where else are we going to go? Because when Jesus speaks his words are spirit and they are life and so when we look at this here it says who obeys the voice and of his servant jesus is the servant he's talking about who obeys the voice of jesus the one who fears god the one who fears god what does the fear of god look like the fear of god says god i don't like this I don't understand this, and I wish there was a way around this. But because you say so, I'll do it. The fear of God obeys no matter what. The fear of God, it, the ways of God will violate your, your knowledge and it will violate your mind. You have to learn how to operate out of the spirit and not out of the flesh. The kingdom of darkness wants you and me to focus on the natural. The kingdom of darkness wants you to focus on what you can see with your natural eyes. The kingdom of God does not work that way. The kingdom of God focuses on the spirit world, and it focuses on the fear of God. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, and the the devil was trying to get Eve to disobey God, he did it by lying to her, but it says she looked at the fruit with her natural eyes. In that moment, it looked good to her mind. It looked good to her eyes. And up until that moment, Adam and Eve had been walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. But in that moment, they made a choice. The choice was, I will go by what I see with my natural eyes, more than what God has spoken to me. And so the way all of this works is we are being tested, but we're also being trained. We are being trained how to walk after the Spirit that we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And so when we learn how to encounter God by pressing in, we will hear His voice. And that voice will scare you to death sometimes. Because that voice will put you in situations where you're standing in front of people and you're terrified. It will put you in places where you are making decisions that nobody else is making. It will put you in situations where it will expose your fear of man, it will expose your fear of lack. It will expose if you trust in money or if you trust in God. If you're looking for the praises of man or the praises of God. When you are operating out of the fear of the Lord, it will literally expose what's inside of you, and it will drive all other fears out of you. If you will fear the Lord and do. And so many times, some of you know what I'm talking about. You'll hear a voice in your head, and it's, I wish you were louder. I wish God's voice were so much louder. But it's usually soft, gentle, and quiet. And that voice will say things like, you need to quit your job. No, no, God. No, no, don't make me do that. You need to move away. No, God, I don't want to move away. You need to go and reach out to that person that you're intimidated by. Like, Oh, Lord, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. You need to confront that situation that you're running away from. You name it, that voice will do things that will scare you to death. And that, the, the scriptures say that the wisdom of God is foolishness to the natural mind. So it's always good to have other Christians that can, that are mature, not just Christians, but mature Christians, you can bounce that voice off because sometimes it's just you. It's not the voice of God. Sometimes just, you know, your own thoughts. So it's good to have mature ac- accountability that you can say, hey, I heard a voice in my head tell me this. And, you, and they'll either be like, yeah, that sounds like God or no, that sounds like a demon <laughs> or that sounds like you. So it's good to have accountability and to have confirmation and not just go off of a whim of just one time. But let God, will, God will speak and God will repeat. But the greater, how do you say this? Not only will God speak, not only will God repeat, and not only will God confirm, but a lot of times God will get louder if you start to pay attention to the voice. If you start to turn in and pay attention to the voice, you will hear more clearly as you go, and the voice will get much clearer and much louder. So don't just hear like a little whisk, a little thought in your head and, you know, run off to Africa, unless, of course, you know, you've got like other people that are, hearing the same thing for you. So anyway, so who fears the Lord? Who obeys his voice? Who walks in darkness? Who has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord. Listen, I wish that I could give you a three-step plan to get out of your darkness. I'd settle even for a four-step plan if it would just get me out of there. But the reality is, is the, the, one of the big ideas is just to trust in God. You're like, Daniel, Ah. I mean, literally, sometimes there's just no way through except for through. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just don't get the luxury. Like, sometimes you take the test, you pass the test, and it's over. But a lot of times, when you're in that place of darkness, you just got to press in. I want to turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 10, I believe. Yeah, chapter 10. Verse 32. Verse 32. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated. Didn't you know you were illuminated? If you've given your life to Jesus, you have been illuminated. And that, I, that word kind of conveys rays of light. So after, every say after. I know it's the first service, but a little more feeling. Say after. after. Good job. After you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains, he was in prison, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise." Verse 37, for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. When I was in college, um, some of you might have heard this before, but I think it'll help illustrate what I'm trying to say. When I was in college, I was a freshman. I was 18. And let's just say that in the year previous, I was illuminated. I had literally encountered God. I had connected with God. I had heard his voice. And out of that reality of encountering God like I had never encountered him before, I felt like God wanted me to move to Butte go to tech, and, you know, do the college thing, and when I came to Butte, I discovered a little bit early in the game that there wasn't much at that time for people who were in college in in the realm of of ministry. There wasn't much uh, ministry things going on for college students, and on top of that, there were no coffee shops, like no real ones, and so I began to question if I was really in the will of God. And I came to this church and I knew when I came into this building that I belonged here. I had no idea how much I belonged here. I was going to be here for decades. But I came and I knew I was in the will of God. I just knew knew in my knower. And you know, I I was like one of the only college people though that was really around because most of the people were either way older than me or way younger than me. And so I, here I was showing up, and I didn't have much of a social life. And so we would have a, we had a Wednesday night service that I would go to, and a, of course a Sunday morning service that I would go to. And when I would walk into this building, I would meet with God. I would experience his peace. I would experience his joy. I would hear his voice. God was here. And then the rest of the week, God would, disappeared on me. I was lonely. I didn't really have, at least for quite a while, any friends. I didn't have much connection. And I fell into a very severe depression. Significant. And out of that place of depression, I was just in a pit. And I didn't know what to do. And out of, like, at least for me, the severe depression literally felt like a cloud that followed me. And I was tormented by this cloud. And I went day after day, and I'd wake up, and I could sense it, and I could feel it. And I would pray, and not much would happen, and I would cry out to God, and it just seemed like God wasn't listening. And then I would come to church on Sunday morning, and you know how it is. Pastor Tim would literally talk to me about my week, like from the stage, of course. He would preach the sermon based off of everything I had been crying out to God about. And so I would complain all week and cry out to God, and then I'd get my answers on Sunday. That was kind of the way it worked for me. And so that was kind of what held me together in that time of deep depression and deep discouragement and deep loneliness and really struggling with where I was supposed to be and wanting out of you, wanting out of my circumstance. I wanted to run away. And... Out of that time, I really began to to operate in doubt, and I remember even going a few days without praying, because I thought to myself, why does it even matter? It seems like my prayers don't make any difference, and after a couple of days, I was dried up like SpongeBob. Spiritually speaking, I was so dried out, because I had not been in prayer, and so I was like, okay, well, that wasn't the answer. And out of this place of extreme doubt, if God does God even exist? And if God exists, does he care? And if God cares, then why isn't he answering me? And why isn't he giving me what I'm asking for? And why isn't he doing, you know, and you can go on and on. And so out of that place of months and months and months, I began to, well, in all honesty, the turnaround was the night I was, just crying out to God to take away the pain, I heard a voice in my head say, take your life. And when I heard that voice, I knew it wasn't mine. And it woke me up. It jolted me like nothing else. I'm like, that was not me. Somebody else is in this room. And that is literally what woke me up. And out of that place of being woken up, I began to press into God like I had never in my entire life. And I began to kind of like, in Isaiah 50, and verse 7, it talks about Jesus now, he set his face like a flint, which means that he set his face and he wasn't being deterred. He is locked in. And I began to get to this point where I don't care if I'm depressed, I'm pressing in. I don't care if a fat demonic spirit is sitting on me, I'm pressing it. I don't care if I have no friends, I'm pressing it. I'm gonna press in, and I'm gonna press in, and I'm gonna press in, and and I I just, I I got this resolve in my spirit. Like, I am not backing down, and I am not shrinking here. And like, literally, my dad had like a bunch of like Christian books, and so I came with like a box. It's actually, my mom was an Avon lady at the time, and I had a box, an Avon box, full of books, and I brought it in, and I put it on, my book sh- sh- uh, my, uh, my dresser. And so I'm like re- sitting there by myself for hours reading books on prayer, reading books for pa- even pastors. And I'm like, oh, I'm never going to read, need to know how to be a pastor, but this is really good book. And so, and so, and so I'm just, I'm like in prayer. And I'm like, and, I, and I'm not praying because I love Jesus, I'll be honest. I'm praying because I want relief, I want a breakthrough. And so I literally would spend 15 minutes. 30 minutes, one hour, two hour, until I felt better. And I would do this day after day, and I'd wake up and the cloud would be there again. And and I would just press into God all day until it lifted. And then the next morning, it would show up again. And I just kept going and pressing in until I got my breakthrough. And I just I think there is a lot to be said when you don't know where God is, you don't know what God's doing, when you don't feel him, when you don't trust him, and you feel depressed out of your mind, I'm, so what? I'm going to keep going. I'm going to press in. I don't care how I feel, and I don't care what I think, and I don't care what the voices in my head are telling me. I am going to press in. And literally, I did not understand what God was doing over that, I don't know, four to six month period. But he was changing, Daniel Merrick. I would not be the man I am today, and you would probably not know me. And my kids would probably not exist, and I never would have married Rachel if it wasn't for those times of just pressing in when I didn't understand, and I didn't know why. And I just said yes, because I feared him. And out of that place of perseverance, I have learned how to do this. I have had some epic mountaintop experiences. God has met me in ways I I could only have dreamed of. And every time I have those experiences, it comes with a greater accountability. Because when God reveals something to you, you then become accountable to it. When you have an encounter with God, the greater the encounter, the greater the responsibility. Because you've seen too much. And so we learn how to guard our tongues, and we learn how to guard our minds. And I am not saying that I have this all figured out. Some of the stuff going through my head last night was not very godly. And it was definitely not very faith-filled. I was kind of frustrated with God. I was just, and God was literally telling me, he was talking to me, but he wasn't telling you what to talk about. And you say, well, Daniel, God always comes. Through. Listen, you, I've pre- it's not fun to preach in front of hundreds of people and not know what you're talking about. It is not, it's fun, you know, it's, yeah, it's not funny. <laughs> I mean, it's funny for you. But we have to get a resolve in our spirit that I will get up and I will press in and I will fear the Lord and I will obey him and I will trust him and I will walk by faith and not by sight, because that is the training. God, why won't you speak to me? And God says, because I'm training you. God, why won't you give me answers? Because I want you to be in the dark right now. Why? I don't like it, and I don't want it. I want to look at another passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Katie, would you mind helping me in this? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. What is outside of us is perishing, but this is the whole point of it all. The inward man, inner part of you is being renewed. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Listen, I believe that is a huge word for right now. And for right now, I mean like this year, and maybe even the next few years. We do not look, listen, we have got, this is our training. This is not yours, my individual. This is the United States of America, body of Christ, is being trained like an army to walk by faith and not by sight. To look at what is unseen rather than what is seen, for the things which are seen are temporary the things that if you can see it is temporary every circumstance every person there's a lot of temporary things right now and the enemy wants you to buy into the lie that it's going to be like this forever and that nothing's going to change and your prayers don't you know aren't being heard that is not going to happen. This is the way it is. The devil is putting up a smoke screen. And if you look at that smoke screen, you will get messed up. You will be disillusioned. And you will get mad at God because he promised something. But we look, we do, what, verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The promises of God right now are in seed form. You don't see it. You heard a voice. You have a promise. Jesus is going to win. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is going to do a lot of things between now and then. And what you have heard... He will do. But you have to go by what he said because you can't see it yet. Do you want to stand up? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just come before you out of our complete and utter dependence upon you. God, I thank you that you have pulled us out of the pit. God, I thank you you have not left us alone. You've been entirely faithful. And right now, for those that are struggling with the spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, we repent. Of partnering with a spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief. We disagree with that spirit. And right now, use your will, church. Activate your will. Activating your will is a huge part of spiritual warfare. Right now, we repent and we renounce. And in the authority of Jesus' name, I command. His spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief to leave and do not return in Jesus' name. God, I pray for every person here that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. If I could have the prayer team come to the front. I forgot to call you up. Please come up, prayer team. Lord, I pray that you would shine your light in this moment. That you would give all of us eyes to see in the spirit realm. That you give all of us faith in this moment. God, we repent for relying upon what we see with our natural eyes. God, give us that faith again. And I release the peace of God over every person in this place. Jesus' peace I give to you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.